Sarah Melody, and you're tuning in to episode seven of Expressions from the Heart. I'm joined today with Soretzi. He's a local musician, singer, songwriter from the Barry scene. Um, he also likes to joke that he's a dad and a regular guy. I don't think being a dad is a joke. That's that's some hard stuff. So welcome <laughs> to our podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for joining. This is awesome. It's so great to see your face. And I know for the listeners, they don't get to see your face, but you and I connected probably over 10 years ago. And for, I haven't seen you in probably a good, ooh, I don't know, maybe four years or so now. So maybe I'm, maybe yeah. my timelines are off. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a while. You know what I mean? We, we can check in on each other through social media, but uh, haven't physically seen you in several years. It's been, it's been quite a while. And I think the last time we connected actually was through the Songwriters Association of Canada chapter yeah. that I yeah. was running. Yeah. Mm. So, and yeah. that was a group that we had where we met monthly um, different songwriters to share different tips and tricks on the craft of writing. So mm. let's, let's talk a bit about that. So I know you as the songwriter and the artist and you have that very soulful, I think people can tell just by your speaking voice, <laughs> very soulful <laughs> voice. Um, yeah. What was your path to music? You said you started doing music 10 years ago. I feel like it must be longer than that, though. Yeah. OK, the, I did. I started I started um, playing guitar, writing songs 10 years ago. I was kind of a late bloomer with that thing. But um, when I was young, I had an electric keyboard, like a synthesizer. And I was really into hip hop was like, that's all that mattered. So I was making beats. Right. Uh, my brother was an MC and making beats was my thing. DJ Premier and P Rock, some of those old school hip hop producers, that they were my, they were gods to me. And uh, I try, I started writing rhymes myself and I was going to be a rapper. I was going to be a, a hip hop star. I was, that was it. As time went on and I had my, my son when I was 24 and, and uh, you know, I realized that uh, MC was exactly my skill set. You know, I could make, I like making beats, but you know, keep them up in that, that hip hop game, you have to be on, you know, at least back in those days. And as I started trying different things, I picked up a guitar and kind of got into melodies and words and storytelling a little differently. I fell in love with the, the songwriting aspect. You know, I still like making beats, but I love melodies. Words and melodies and stories is kind of my thing now. And it evolved from there. And you're so great at it too. Like, I don't know you as the MC or rapper. I know you as the R&B singer. Um, that's how I know you as. And I just yeah. I feel like that's such a, a gift and talent that you have that, yeah, I'm so happy that you've shared that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's, a, so, it's a funny uh, transition, I know. What's this regular guy thing that you added to your title? Like, let's talk a little bit about that. Well... Because I think when a lot of people meet me, you know, uh, when, I, when I tell them what I do and I say that I'm a, a, a singer, songwriter, they're, they're thrown off a little bit just from my appearance, right? I'm a big dude, you know, I look like a regular guy. There's nothing very artsy about me. There's nothing, people are, don't assume, you know, it's easy to assume who someone is, but when they see me, they don't really think, you know, or see a musician. I have to explain it to them. Once they hear what I do, they're they're surprised that oh, I didn't think you could, you would sound like that. Mm. That doesn't sound that. I'm surprised it sounds like you. That they don't they don't see it when they see me. You know what I mean? I don't. I guess I don't put off that uh, artsy vibe, that creative uh, you know, allure or whatever. So I just kind of I'm, I look like a regular guy. You know. So I guess this is part of my thing. It's been part but of my thing for a while. But that makes you relatable, then, doesn't it? And more like approachable. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's and a good think, way to put it. Yeah, and this time in the music industry, or even where we are just socially right now, that mm-hmm. you can really be whoever you want to be with the access of social media and YouTube and TikTok and all of that. It doesn't yeah. have to be down to the image anymore. Um, if your intention is not to sell records, if your intention is just to be uh, accessible and share your music, then why do you have to have that made up persona to go with it? Exactly. And I think that's what my mentality was, you know, Spotify and streaming. That's really for guys like me. I had a lot of guys like me who have families and have regular jobs and stuff like that. This has given us an opportunity to put our music out there without the 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 the, uh, the pressure of trying to sign a record deal or anything like that. We can put our music out the way we want you know, in our way. And it's, 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 I find it, I find it fun. It's, it's, there's this freedom there and I, I love it. Well, I think as an artist too, when it becomes your full-time gig, you can lose some of the passion because you have to get out of bed to, you know, make that money through mm-hmm. your art. Whereas if you get to do it on the side and yeah. you get to carve out that time for it, it's much more passion driven. Um, right. You know, I've I've connected with that over the years in my own music. When it became something where I had to make money from it, you mm. lose the joy. So I think yeah. that's a great approach to have: is that you carve out that time after your day job to you know to do focus on your art. Yeah, well, hundred percent. And uh, I mean, obviously, the goal is to potentially have that as a full time gig one day. As a performing artist, maybe not as much. You know what I mean? I have no aspirations to sell out the ACC. <laughs> you know, but as as a songwriter, to be able to write with for other people, and I'm slowly getting into production. I don't know if you can see my mess back here, but I'm trying to put a little home studio together, and I'd love to be able to write and co-produce or produce for people one day. You know, I'm laughing a, at the ACC comment because they're we're recording this during COVID times, and what are we allowed now? Groups of fifty, so it looks like that. No one won't be selling out the ACC. <laughs> No one's selling out the ACC. No, no, no. That will not be happening anytime soon for anybody. (laughs) Exactly. No one's selling out the ACC. Small venues or whatever it is, that's that's, uh, that's something that, if that happens, that's great, but that's not my primary focus as as an artist. Put my music out there online, and hopefully I can work with other people and write songs for people. That that's that's my main goal aspiration. So when you sit down to write a song, is it picking up the guitar first, or is it usually melody first? How does that creative process work for you? I would say at the beginning when I was first learning the guitar, and I'm, I'm not an amazing guitarist. You know, I'm not a, a John Mayer type, but I do feel that the I was able to to uh, create melodies through guitar. But I found that over over time, I was writing very particular types of songs with the guitar but I found that I was writing the same type of melody and the same type of song over and over and over again. So I started switching up tempos and using different chord structures because I'm not the the, the greatest guitar out, guitarist out there, but it's definitely something I found that I could write songs. And I found that I was able to tap into emotions with, with the guitar. But lately I've been trying to do things differently, you know, trying piano chords, starting with the drum rhythm, starting with just tapping on the table, just writing words and coming up with melodies without any music whatsoever. It's been helping to to broaden my my writing skills a little bit. I love that you said that you noticed you started writing the same type of song because I think for songwriters or just creators, period, that we get into this habit of this is how we started. This is the key we play in and we get comfortable. But to yeah. challenge yourself to change that up is um it's really like that self-awareness is really important 
and it's it's boring you know it's, i i find it's, it's boring when it's just doing the same thing over and over again you know some people like it they say oh i love this type of song but you know you can't just keep putting out the same song over and over again it's just it's it's dull it's boring and i find that even playing the same type of song over again it's like oh i don't want to play this song you know? And I think that goes for even if you're an entrepreneur or any time of like any type of creator or leader, if you start to get to that space of this worked for me in the past, so I'm going to continue to do that, then you're just going to get the same outcome or maybe a different version of that previous project that you did. Then most likely you're going to get a similar outcome. Sometimes that can work out well, but mm -hmm. to know when to switch it up, I think is so important, whether you're an artist or a creator mm -hmm. or an entrepreneur. One yeah. of my favorite things to ask on this podcast, Thretzi, is what gets you out of bed in the morning? Like what drives you? Uh, well, first of all, my my uh, seven and a half month year old gets me out of bed because she's crying and wants to eat. Um, <laughs> that gets me out of bed in the morning. Every day it's it's uh, being being a father with, with kids and family and, and, and a partner and everything. We try to set goals for our, ourselves during the day. We want to get the kids out of the house, get the dog for a walk. My partner and I are trying to get back into shape. I always love to try my best to say, okay, today at this time, I'm going to my music room because I want to build it and try to create the, an atmosphere there and uh, try to get some writing in. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but there are some days where it's like, okay, this is the day that I'm going to do it. And I've told everyone at this time, between this time and this time, I'm blocking out the time for music. Don't bother me, right? <laughs> so getting out of bed and being busy is just, what we do that's just what i do it's just, it's it's busy all the time it's not always about me first but i tr definitely try to prioritize what i need to do for my life because if i'm not happy then no one's happy and my so, art is something that i need it's my <laughs> oxygen you know <laughs> so for the parents tuning into this podcast you know what advice would you give them when they start to feel that they don't have time for their creative outlet or they don't have time for a hobby because We've been conditioned to believe if you're a parent, you have to put others first. What would you give someone, you know, who's in those same shoes, that kind of advice? Oh my goodness. So for those parents that feel that they can't put their hobby or their craft first because they're busy taking care of their family, what advice would you give them? It's really important, really, really important that you prioritize yourself. What I learned, like I have children at different ages. I have an 18 year old son, I have a nine year old stepson, and now I have a little baby, okay? So I'm all over the map. And what I've learned is that you have to prioritize yourself, especially if you have something that you have a passion for, you have to schedule at some time in the week, even if it's only a couple of, uh, a few hours, a couple of times a week, you have to schedule that in time for yourself because that's gonna create, that's where your happiness comes from. We're conditioned to believe that when we have children, it's all about the children. And yes, but their basic needs are met. You facilitate the needs that they have. If they're in sports or they're in the arts or whatever they're doing, you facilitate those needs and that's great. But kids are pretty easy. They're systematic, you know, not easy, but they're systematic. You know, they're, they're, their days are structured and routine. You need to, to find time for yourself and prioritize yourself or you will become unhappy down the road. It's just so, so important. And that's something that I've learned that I, I have to do. If it's a Wednesday, that day between six and 10, I'm working on music. No one bother me. 
if there's an emergency, someone's bleeding, if someone's choking, someone's out of breath. And so whatever it is, unless it's something like that, don't bother me. <laughs> I was really worried that that response was going to be a little bit different. After you said <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think in yoga as well, like I say to my students all the time is that you need to put yourself first so you can take care of others. And when exactly. you take care of yourself, then you can fully be present for others. I'm not exactly. a parent, so I get, can't speak on behalf of parents, but I do hear from my students that they do say that this is my me time when I come to yoga or when I'm in the recording studio, this is my me time. Yeah, and it, it is very, very important. It's, it's, uh, it's very healthy, I think, as well. So were you born and raised in Barrie, or I know you spent a big chunk of your life here. Let's talk a bit about that. Um, I was born, where was I born? Lindsay, Ontario. Why my family was up there that that far north briefly, I don't know. But I spent most of my life in Barrie. I grew up in Barrie. Um, I lived in the city for a bit. I lived in the States briefly. My mother's American, but not very long. Uh, she's from New York. So tell us a little bit about, do you remember what the Barrie music scene was like when, you know, if you spent most of your time here in Barrie, um, mm-hmm. what was that scene like? I know it's changed a lot over the last couple of years, but how do you relate to that? How do you recall it? Back, I guess, um, back in the early days when I was a lot younger, the, the Barry music scene was, it, it was, man, it's changed so much. It, 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 was, it was mainly a, a particular type of, of sound. Uh, you had a lot of cover bands. I mean, it's, like, it's similar today, but you had a lot of cover bands covering some of the more popular uh, rock bands of, of the time. Not a whole lot of diversity in music back in the day. You had a, you had a few artists that were... Um, emerging. I remember the other days, even even yourself, you were you were a, a rare uh, artist coming from this particular area back in those days. <laughs> Thank you. It wasn't there weren't too many you know soul singers coming coming out of Barry. You know back back then, there's a lot of a lot of rock bands, a, a few country artists, but that was really it. Like I I wasn't too into the scene at the time, and but now you see a lot of people like uh, uh, that local people who are creating venues and creating uh, opportunities for people to share their music and to perform. Um, like, uh, you know, around Barry, Brett, that Brett Caswell guy that I, I've seen pop up here. Yeah, Brett, yeah. Yeah, he seems to be, I don't know him personally, but I, I he, see He's him. a good friend, actually. Him and his wife are good friends. Okay, oh yeah, oh cool. cool. Yeah. Like, I, I see them, they, they seem, he seems to be doing quite a bit in the, the Barry scene. And um, guys like uh, Shane Dennis, who are creating who've created that for Unity Market. He's kind of created something in the hip hop scene in Barry. So it's it's grown so much since since the early days. Like it's, so it's let's nice. talk about diversity. I like that you use that word. And as you were mentioning like hip hop and Barry and and mentioning even me being more of a soul artist, let's talk about that diversity because there's definitely not much of a hip hop or R&B scene um, in Barry. And I actually struggled with actually in Canada for a while, there wasn't much of yeah. a scene. And specifically where we were brought up, like, you know, what is your connection with that? And you feel very connected. That's where your roots started was with hip hop and Mm R&B. What's your thought on that for being someone that's so influenced by that genre? I just just think it was was a a regional thing back in those days, especially in Canada. You you had the odd R&B artists. And like, we're we're really influenced by the United States. And here in Barrie, a lot of us are really influenced by what happens in the city. And I think... 
I think it was just timing. I think it was just the 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 era that we were we were in. And and back in those days, Canada in general was was always a little behind what was happening in the music scene. Like for for you, for instance, I think your your musical style was very current at the time, but for some reason, you know, Canada was not as supportive of their artists back in the early days as they maybe seem to be now. And I think maybe the internet has a lot to do with that. But I definitely think that uh because of the internet, there's way more music and, and way more diverse music coming out because you, you can access everything now. If a per, if an if my neighbor across the street puts out a, a funk album, you know, and he tells me about it, I can go online and find it and and share it with all of my friends and family and people that I know. Right? I think that's helping to, to push the diversity in music. So I think the diverse musicians were there, but I don't think they were heard. But now there's a chance for them to be heard. Absolutely. And my own connection with um, urban music and R&B and soul, like I know we talked about us connecting about 10 years ago, but I've probably been doing music closer to 15 or 16 years. And when Mm -hmm. I first came out trying to do that sound, I got a lot of backlash on that and pushback, I should say, Um, you know, even meeting with A&R in in the States, I went to Atlantic Records in New York. And I remember I was 18 years old, had a meeting with the head of A&R there. And he told me right to my face when I brought in my R&B album, said that black girls aren't going to buy your records. You need Mm -hmm. to sound like Kelly Clarkson and Pink in order to sell. And after that, I was just kind of heartbroken because I was so connected to that style of music. Yeah. Which, which is a terrible thing because it's, it's all marketing. Like they, I find that the industry uses, you know, like the, the, the main, the big entities in the, in the music industry anyway, they use racism to sell records. I mean, when we talk about some of the biggest um, R&B artists that, that came out over the last uh, five years, we're thinking Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake is a great R&B artist, right? But there's so many, so many of them out there. But I find that with with urban music, and if if you can sing and dance like a black guy, so to speak, quote unquote, right? Stereotypically, if, if, but if you're white doing it. You're getting that record deal. You know what I mean? Like you look at just Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber is super talented, whether you like him or not, in general. But there's something. But there, there he he kind of sings and dances in a very soulful way. It's black music definitely pushes um, the music industry. But I think up here in Canada, they're we're so far behind. I think that's what, that what was happening with you when you look at at uh, Fergie and oh my God, uh, JoJo and some of those. They're great soul singers but up here in canada for some reason we're always so behind to think that you have to be like a pink or something like that to sell records is just not true not anymore anyway not anymore exactly not anymore. <laughs> just showing the times and now more than ever you know you said back to the internet and your community like there's so much focus right now on equality with black lives matter with you know lgbtq there's so much more social awareness about that that mm. there have been shifts and i think they're quite positive yeah a hundred percent and and the the internet era generation like these younger kids i think they get it a lot more than maybe some of our generation and generation before they get it because they they they've grown up with with friends from those communities they've grown up with maybe black friends and white friends and asian friends and 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 gay friends and trans friends like they're their friends are diverse and, and their music, they're sharing music at a different 
level than what we were before the internet. I mean, I remember pre-internet. I don't know if you do, but I remember pre-internet. And it was just, it was very, very different. But, and I think that the, 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 the racial divides that the companies were using to, to sell records, they're, they're blurred now and, and they're struggling because if I have a, a black friend who's a country singer, they can put out their, their music without any judgment from the industry, without the industry trying to oppress them. Now, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that people would make the assumption that you are, you know, not an artist by the way you dress or the way that you present yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever had anyone make the assumption that you are R&B or hip hop because of your color? I apologize to push it there, but I think that's kind of where our conversation is going right now, Stretzi. And I know that, yeah. you know, you've shared that with me before, um, yeah. how you feel. 100%. That's that's at at times the first thing people think, which is unfortunate. Not not everyone. Lately it hasn't been that way, but when I was first getting into music, I was into hip hop, right? And and beat making everything, but as it transitioned into more of a, into more of a singer-songwriter type of thing, you know, even into up until not that long ago, I'd talk to people and they'd ask me what I what I'm into and I say, I'm a songwriter. I said, well, what are you like a, a, rap, a rapper or something like that? And I'd ask them, well, why would you assume that? And the moment you ask them, ask them that question, they kind of look at you, they freeze like a deer in headlights, like, uh, you know, it's like, why would you assume that I was a, I was a rapper? Mm. They don't want to say it, but we all know why they assumed I was a rapper, right? <laughs> but I think we're socially conditioned to think th- these things. Like if, if I was a white guy and someone asked, and, and I told them I was in the music, they wouldn't automatically assume I was a, I was a hip hop artist or anything. It's, it's, that, it's that plain and simple, right? Um, well, and even for myself at the beginning of this podcast, I said, you know, you're R- you're R&B and more hip hop because I knew that was your transition. But your voice is so naturally soulful. You can even hear it on the tone on this podcast that you have yeah. that deep <laughs> register. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, of course, it translates over as singer songwriter, but also translates really well into R&B and soul. Yeah. And, and, and I love and I love all of it. Like, I mean, some of some of my my favorite artists were like the Black Crows and you know, and, and who people look at as a rock band, but they were a soul band. They were, they, their, their music were like their biggest song, uh, uh, um, talks, she talks to angels is a, is a, a very classic rock soul song. You know what I mean? But because they're a bunch of white dudes, we don't want to, we, we don't think they're just a rock band. It's like the chili peppers. The chili peppers are a rap, a funk rap band because they're a bunch of white guys. <laughs> we don't think about like they're playing traditional black music with with a, a twist of their own you know what i mean so it's, mm. it's 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 just so funny i mean for me it's like i love soul music i grew up listening to a lot of motown and stuff like that and and uh you know but I, to me music comes from different places you know it's 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 not so cut and dry if you're a hip-hop artist some people say i'm just a hip-hop artist okay well that's fine but I was a hip hop artist, but I also loved R&B. I also loved rock. Also, there's so many different things I loved growing up. And that's probably because of where I grew up. I grew up in Barrie, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a very predominantly white town. And so there wasn't a lot of black music in Barrie growing up. If it wasn't for my dad, you know, introducing me to, to classic black music in Motown, I, maybe my, my style, my genre choices would be different. I don't know. But it was never about, it was never about my, my color of my skin. But to other people, to some other people, they see me and they assume. I'm hoping that's going to change eventually, you know? 
and I think it, it I think it is. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. It is. Um, and thank you for speaking so freely and candid about that. You know, I think you and I even reconnected recently just mm -hmm. from sharing different posts on social media about equality and, you know, even black lives, but also um, LGBTQ. And, and you made a comment to me that kind of uh, sparked this whole idea of getting you on this podcast was about, you know, the fact that even Barrie, Ontario, which has grown and is becoming so diverse and has the pride flag on mm -hmm. its street now when you cross yeah. it downtown it shows how people are shifting we're changing yeah. as a community it's a beautiful thing it absolutely growing up here that even even 10 years ago not a chance you would see the pride colors on the on the street not a, not a chance and I, and I truly believe that the internet is is a big difference because anytime a group or 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 a community or anything like that seems racist whatsoever people are going to talk about it and that's the last thing that a town needs is to is to, to create a reputation for itself of being a place that isn't open to diversity and a place that that is maybe inherently racist like who wants that right absolutely barry's making me really proud right now of all the changes and all of the growth me we have too. had and the cultural scene that we have yeah. now i said to a friend the other day if you are racist or you don't support equality then you're pretty much a jerk. <laughs> I might have called it a different word than that. Let's just say it. There's yeah. going to be more people calling you out on it these days than agreeing with you. Exactly. And, and, and it makes me very happy because there are a lot of people out there that want to say that, well, this is my opinion. Your opinion, if your opinion reflects the oppression or the, or a ne the, the well-being or the destruction of another human being, you're not valid. Your opinion is no longer valid. You don't get that opinion anymore. Mm. You know that your your opinion is 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 your point of view on a on a subject that we can discuss to be come to resolution, but it should not be about the welfare of someone else. That's that's completely insane. You know, and I find that there's some people in you know still who would rather remain indifferent and would rather pretend like none of this stuff is real. That's not actually happening. They don't want to, to discuss it because it makes them uncomfortable. But the fact that it's making you uncomfortable is the reason why we have to discuss it. Ooh, I, I love that. It's, those conversations are important and we need to continue to talk about them because it affects everyone. It affects our children, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's my main thing. It's like my kids are multiracial and, you know, they, they are, I call them tomorrow babies, right? But they, they have their own uh, set of, of challenges to deal with as they get older. I love that term, tomorrow babies. You tomorrow, just gave me yeah. goosebumps. I love that. <laughs> little, little tomorrow babies. You know, they're, they're mixed up. And I, I find I find like I'm I'm kind of like a prototype tomorrow baby myself. I'm light skinned, but I'm both my parents are black, but I have light skin, I have light eyes. So some people assume that I'm I'm mixed. And I say I'm not half and half, but I do have different races in my background. And I'm very proud, proud of that diversity in my, in my culture because it's, it's something to talk about. I think, I think diversity in race is a beautiful thing. Like, why is it, why is it, so, why is it so bad and so evil? You know, there's nothing terrible about it. It's beautiful. Our differences is what makes us people, what makes us beautiful. Beautiful. Now we were talking about, you express yourself through your form of music. If, mm -hmm. Are there other ways that you find that you feel connected to, you know, it's not just Soretzi the musician. What else like feeds your soul? Is there a sport? Is there a hobby? Is there something else? Um, you were talking about getting more fit, you know, what else like feeds that expression? Um, I'm definitely uh, 
my exercise, trying to get back into shape is, def, is definitely something. I feel that uh, um, I'm a big believer in a strong body, strong mind, strong mind, strong body. I think if, you're, if you feel good and you have those endorphins pumping through your system and that oxygen pumping, at least semi-consistently, I think you're, you're a stronger person. I think that makes me a more creative person, all that oxygen. Um, it makes me a, a more energetic person because I have to deal with my children, my family, and my job, and my house, and my ambitions on the side and everything. I'm also, I, I, love, uh, I love film, I love movies. When I was young, I wanted to be an actor. That didn't quite work out. But, you know, it's, I, I, love, I love anything that's, that's story-oriented. Story I love a good story. And I think when I listen to the news and when I, I talk to people, when I hear stories, that's when I, I think I like talking to people and like listening to people. When I, they tell me their story, it always triggers something emotional in me. And I find that it kind of fuels my, my need to write. And sometimes when I write, I don't write about a particular thing, but the emotion in that moment. And that sometimes comes from one particular conversation or or, or something I saw on the news or something that I, I saw in movies. But so I think, I think I, I take things in, you know, and I, I internalize them and they kind of just pop out every once in a while. It's, it's, uh, it's, they're hard to kind of uh, reel in. <laughs> yeah. Well, no wonder you're drawn to stories if you're a songwriter and that is the, the main focus is telling a story when you're writing a song. Is there a, a book that you connect really well with that you want to share with the listeners? or um, anything else that you want to share? Touch, touching back on the, the, um, the, the, the racial issues, um, not to keep beating that over the head, but there's a book called The New Jim Crow that I, I tend to ask people to read. It's, it's specifically to, about the United States, but it, it talks about the, the oppressive, oppressive caste system in the United States that started from, from uh, the post-slave era, which was called New Jim Crow up until now, which is the incarceration rate of, of black youth and black men in the United States. And I think what's important about the, the issues with race and with uh, um, what's happening to black people in the United States is that it's only one channel that we have to, to look at because oppression doesn't start at just black people, right? We're talking about up here, indigenous rights. The, you know, indigenous people up here are really suffering. They, uh, uh, gay rights is still uh, 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 a thing that we have to discuss. I mean, uh, um, people of, of that community are still being persecuted and still being treated unfairly. And, and I think we're heading into an era now where our children are seeing us through a different lens. They're seeing, they're seeing the chaos on the internet and we have to really make sure that our children are healthy because the white picket fence is not their goal anymore, really. You know, I mean, it's hard to go out to school, come out of school, get a job, buy a house, get married, have 1.23 kids, a dog and a cat and call it a life. That's, this is not 1976 anymore. Times have changed, <laughs> you know, <laughs> times have changed. And, and they have, they, they, I, I call the, the internet era the, uh, of kids that they're the new hippies, you know, because they just want peace because they see so much now. The internet has provided us with transparency and they see so much. So I think education through reading books like the new Jim Crow is going to help children go farther in life than just getting a degree or, or a college diploma or getting a job. We have to look beyond those basic things if, we're going to, if, if our children are going to be safe as time goes on because things are changing rapidly. And the education system is not, 
is not changing to, to keep up with the times. It's not evolving fast enough, at least not for me anyway. So I think education through reading books like New Jim Crow is very important for kids. I'm, I'm a big advocate for kids because I have a whole bunch of them. So <laughs> and I, and I want them to be healthy and happy, you know, which in turn, when I think about those things, that actually provides me with subject matter for writing my songs. It's such a, a, a cyclical type of thing, you know. That's so amazing that you shared that. And I, that's what I love about this podcast. I say it almost every week is that I try not to give you advanced questions so that the conversation can just be candid and express yeah. how you're feeling and wherever it goes, that's where it needs to go today. So thank you yeah. for being raw and vulnerable and sharing all of that wisdom with us, Retsi. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Where can people connect yeah. with you? Uh, it's, uh, well, I have, I, I, I told, I told my man, uh, Socrates, I'm working with Socrates right now. So him and I are, are working on some stuff. I'm hoping to put out a single, um, uh, around the uh, fall. I would have had an EP out right now, but, uh, Two things happened, uh, COVID, and then I had a baby. Sorry, I had a baby, and then COVID happened. <laughs> I slowed down the process <laughs> a little bit. But him being a, a man the same age as me, he understands his family himself. But it's been amazing working with him, and uh, we're going to be putting something out in the fall. I'm on Instagram, you know, Stretzy Aaron at Instagram, if that's how you – at, at Stretzy Aaron, sorry. I'm on YouTube, at Stretzy Aaron, uh, Facebook. I'm not as uh, active on social media as I should, but I'm working on it. <laughs> I think you're a little busy. You just said three yeah, kids. <laughs> I, I, I'm, a little, I'm a little busy. I'm a little busy. Yeah, but I'm excited about the, the Socrates thing uh, I'm working with. He's a, he's a good dude and uh, very, very talented. So that's Amazing. So I'll make sure to include all of the links in the show notes for you today as well. Thank you very much. That's amazing. That'd be awesome. All right. Thank you so much for joining us and we will hear from you soon. Yes, I had a blast. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.